0: Welcome to Go Meet, a wrestling podcast. I'm KP. I'm here with Jared. Uh, I didn't know if I was supposed to
1: give my nickname or not. Impact Jared. Impact Jared because I watched it this week. Yeah, it was and I liked good. It. it. It was good, it.
0: good right? Yeah, I, I, they do. Uh, they do well. I think they're really starting to hit their niche again after about six months off.
1: Yeah, I stopped watching for a little while just because I felt like after a handful of people moved in, they kind of lost the, the charm. But I watched this episode and I was like, oh yeah, I really like all these guys. There's a lot of really, really talented guys there. Chris Bay,
0: Speedball Mike Bailey. The Bullet Club infusion to me has done what I think they had hoped the Omega infusion would do. Yes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Okay, I think so too. I think so too. Now, we're going to talk about CM Punk today. We're going to talk about his path in AEW from beginning to this week, which was the huge MJF feud which ended in an MJF match in Chicago. We'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about the impact of the results of that and the impact of Punk's presence in AEW along with the way Brian's been handled and the kind of a generalization of what they've done with the newer influx of talent and what that says to the company in general. I think it's going to be a fun I think it's going to be an interesting and fun conversation. First i want you to check us out at any of these sources Spotify, iHeartRadio, Bullhorn, at the Daily Smart or on your iPhone if you would like. You can listen to us, you can it would be nice if you were to say follow us it would be even nicer if you were to say give us as many stars as are allowed okay so rumors start after a seven-year hiatus of pro wrestling punk had suffered serious injuries in the wwe he was having i think he had a staph infection in his elbow along with other things his body was breaking down he would famously say once he came back i couldn't get well in well in the first night actually i couldn't get well in the place that made me sick and he said you know I won't come back unless it's a bunch of money, and then he also said he wouldn't come back unless he felt like he could do something that would help pro wrestling in general. so rumors abound, and at some point people start to realize that he's negotiating contracts, and it wasn't a well-kept secret when he hit Chicago, Illinois. Everyone knew the biggest secret to me or the biggest thing that really hit me was when he said when they opened the show when you hear the opening riff Vernon Reed playing. Cult of personality, living color tears in, Corey Glover's voice comes on, and boom, Chicago goes crazy. You can barely even hear the music after the riff. I've never heard a pop that loud. Yeah, it was nuts. And Punk, especially considering it was an arena, not a stadium, right? And so then Punk comes out, it's nuts, he winds up eventually sitting down Indian style and explaining his path back to us. He has said since then he wasn't 100% sure how much people would care that he came back. Hard to believe in some ways, but you have to remember, too, there were seven years that he was telling people no, and suddenly people at some point started going, well, he why are you asking him to come back? He doesn't like us. It wasn't he didn't like wrestling. and It wasn't he didn't like WWE. It turned into he doesn't like us. That, I can, I can almost understand his... I don't know for sure. Every wrestler comes back and they always say the same thing because you can't help it. You wonder, you know, do they remember me? Do they not remember me? You know, singers, same thing. You know, when they come back with a band that had gone on a hiatus or whatever. So we have this huge comeback, the open mic thing. Speaking of working with the new talent is the thing he, he underlines. I don't think he really, if he did mention the world title, he did not emphasize the world title. That has not been an emphasis for him coming in. Punk, to understand his, st- his status in pro wrestling. Punk is the voice of the voiceless, the character. Depending on how you look at it, you could think of him as a complainer. You could think of him as a person who's pointing out the errors in the, in the company. He's, he, when he gets the WWE, the WWE gig, he is immediately a heel. He has feuds with Hardy. He has feuds with Jericho. Eventually, though, everything starts to snowball into these these moments with Cena, which really kicks off in a huge way with the pipe bomb, in which post has seen a Cena match, Cena's lying in the ring. Punk sits down Indian style on the and famously, and to some degree, to Vince's credit, Vince said, "Go out there and air your grievances in the public." I don't know that he thought that the grievances were that legitimate. And, Jesus and Punk laid out all the way through your doofus son-in-law, the whole doofus gig, son-in-law. what was wrong with the company, how John wasn't at fault for these things, and he didn't dislike John for being in that, but John, you happen to represent a company that is, to some degree, evil. You know, Colt Cabana, high Colt Cabana moment, all of that. It goes over huge. He wins the title. He takes it, back. he wins the title in Chicago. Uh, the, the gimmick is he He hasn't signed a contract yet. Will he ever come back to the WWE? He flees with the title to his home right outside of Chicago Stadium. Huge. One of the biggest things in pro wrestling in that entire decade. And one of the bigger moments in pro wrestling when you consider the status of WWE, especially at that time where they were the only American pro wrestling huge company, right? Then we have Punk Lee. But, well, of course, he, he loses the belt. There's, it's not like he left champion i I hope i didn't didn't say that incorrectly now we get to the return what did you think about his first coming back were you excited how did that well i never really watched outside
1: of the pipe bomb anything that punk did in wwe i've like since gone back and i think we watched like the wrestlemania match with mysterio but yeah outside of that and like seeing some stuff with the
0: punk and scene i think we watched that match together
1: yeah, and we, yeah we, we did watch Punk and Cena, uh, which,
0: which tremendous we, watched, storytelling. we watched one
1: of them, right? I we watched the one
0: where he escaped with yes, the belt. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. Great match. Killer. Yeah. Um, but like before Punk came back, I did, wasn't like super familiar with his stuff. Uh, again, outside of the pipe bomb, which I thought the pipe bomb was great.
0: Wait, wait, wait. We did watch some of the Ring of Honor work with Punk.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. We watched some of the, the real old matches with like Joe and Joe, all that. Oh, it was my tremendous God. work. They they just killed each other.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: they, they just went around killing each other. Right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yearn for simpler days. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I wasn't super familiar. I was. I mean, I was excited in the in the way that just like I thought he was cool. Like even not seeing a lot of his stuff, he's just he's just cool. You know what I mean? I love yeah, the aesthetics. I loved the way he talked. Uh, I just thought it was cool. like great. So when he came back, I I, I don't know. I, I got swept up in the moment. Like there's no you can't hear that pop and not be emotionally moved in some way. It's crazy. I could not believe how how much that stadium exploded. How did you feel about Punk coming back?
0: I was super pump pumped when Punk came back. I also had Punk has never played well with others. We would see later on in promos where you would have MJF really emphasize the fact that Punk had never played well with others, and he starts to talk. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Eddie Kingston. Piggybacked on that as well. When he winds up in a few, we'll get we'll get to that a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit too. So their concerns that they aired out were going through my head because I, I I've I just have never seen a happy CM Punk. <laughs> yeah. and and so the happiest I think I can remember seeing Punk is when he won in Chicago, and then when he was on that show on Fox with Renee. Where they would talk about pro wrestling, and he would like shoot on people he didn't like. He yeah. really got a kick out of that a lot. Yeah. Which he's just, he's a, he's a sarcastic man. That is, and, and that is what makes the pipe bomb possible. That is what makes all these wonderful promos he's always been able to give throughout his career possible. Is is that undercurrent of the fact that he's very smug,
1: very God, he's, right? He's, it's and I think he he lets that loose a little bit in promos sometimes. Less now than before. Yes. But you, you can still tell when he said something, he's like, oh, that was that was awful smug of him. But,
0: but he has that good. in there. We'll, okay, well, let's just get dive into that a little bit. He picks Darby first. He, he lists off a, a series of wrestlers that he wants a piece of at some point. Not in a mean way at all. No. It is a very much, I want to work with young talent. I want to make the wrestling business better. When I left, I left because I didn't think it was good. And I see this company which is the undercurrent of his return, is I see a company that has the possibilities of being what I believe pro wrestling should be. And that is so down his alley. And then the promo is, I want to work with Darby Allen, I want to work with Ricky Starks, I want to work with all these really talented young guys that they have here. He doesn't mention MJF and we'll get there, but that's the glaring thing. He has a good feud with Darby, he never really has to dive into the mean part of himself because again every time he walks out there there's a huge love fest because this town hasn't seen him as a pro wrestler in so very long what did you think about the Derby oh, i loved it i thought so too
1: i thought i thought it was awesome i thought the match was really good
0: as well right now then he moves into powerhouse hops which is so cool. And I these that are was awesome. These are like a series of one offs to some degree. Maybe somebody picks a fight with him the week before. They open up several they open up the, like we said the kind of a staple for AEW is opening up the shows hot. And they opened up with the Living Color Hot. They they opened up several of these like rampage and, and with punk matches. Which was a really neat way to do things and it also lengthens out the quality of your card. Your world champion doesn't have to come on for a while. Your TNT champ doesn't have to come on for a while. Your women's champ doesn't, have, you know, you, you, it just makes your card that much better. Also, not having him in that world title picture makes your card better, right? But then he goes into a match after Powerhouse Hobbs, which I thought was really well. He sold well for the guy. Oh yeah. Uh, the only thing early on, or really throughout his comeback, is you can see him winded at times. Yeah, because I believe I, I, he's not carrying much fat. He looks great. Uh, Cardio is tough. For wrestling,
1: I think it's probably an underrated part of wrestling is cardio.
0: Well, when you, he has also wrestled at quick paces. Yes. He's an undersized guy in order to make these things work. He's wrestling to some degree, he's working in a way where everybody he works with gets good offense in. That, re- you know, selling requires cardio.
1: Yeah, I have him 100%. Okay.
0: You know, and Powerhouse Hobbs throwing it, Garcia, rolling him around awesome. all over the place. I thought awesome. that was, to me, that was a match that really announced to me, oh, Garcia should get a lot more work.
1: Strong agree.
0: Right? And then Seidel, you were reminded of how good Seidel is. And, again, what you're seeing him do is linked in the mid-card by wrestling these guys and having, you know, eight-minute matches with guys that normally a comeback wrestler would, would squash. Yes.
1: But that's not the that's not the story they're telling with Punk. And that's not what he wants to do. That's not what he ever did either, you know what I mean? It wouldn't make any sense if he came back and started slugging folks. Right.
0: Fish, who's a great wrestler. Oh. He has a great re- a match with Fish. Now, along the lines, when these things are coming around, you can see MJF feeling neglected. Yes. Right? Yes. Now, we get to an Eddie Kingston promo. Oh, I love that feud. And the Kingston promo was... Everything Kingston feels about his Indies experience before he really got his chance, chance he unloads on Punk, and I do believe Punk was a leader in ROH locker room. Like he said, I mean, we've heard Seth talk about going to take wrestling classes and train for, or trying out for in front of Punk. Yeah, for ROH, he says, you know, you 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 didn't help you didn't help me develop. and you know, you thought I was a slob, and then in, of course, Punk when attacked. Punk comes back and he says, "Well, you were a slob. Basically, you know everything I yeah. said about you was true." I think that
1: that back and forth is probably my favorite, Punk back and forth so far. Even even above the MJF one, in my opinion, mostly just because I like how he's the heel. In that situation, everyone was chanting for Eddie, not Punk. I thought that was so crazy too that Eddie was getting more more love in that situation than Punk was. I thought that was so crazy,
0: right? But, but I thought that that made Eddie even more legitimate. You know what I mean, right? Absolutely. It also emphasized if you if you think about it logically, you can understand where Punk was coming from back then. Eddie has every bit of the mic skills to be a world champion anywhere he'd ever been. If he had a, if he had a steroid problem, he'd been world champ by now. Am I right? I, I agree. If he looked like all the guys that do steroids or did steroids in those time periods, he'd have been he'd have been at least a TNA champ at the very least. And instead, he winds up being a manager for LAX, which don't get me wrong. Some of my favorite work, work in wrestling history is his work with Santana and Ortiz in those rivalries they had in Impact. Money, money, you know, they money. had They had matches where they wrestled on wood boards. Crazy. It, oh, incredible. But my, my point here is, we understand, because one thing Punk emphasizes, he never lies. No, man, yeah. Even if it, and by saying you were a slob, if you're the babyface, you don't say that. But Punk's not going to lie. Eddie wasn't a slob, but you get where Punk was coming from. I'm not, I'm not legitimizing or delegitimizing how Eddie feels by any means because it had to hurt to see the biggest name in the company, the guy who's basically a partner with the owners at this point because he's training guys and, and helping build shows to kind of belittle you because you won't do the work that, that he thinks you need to do. It had to hurt. Yeah, jeez. and to see that played out over seven to ten minutes, and then played out real. in a match where Eddie does a back fist to start the thing <laughs> literally out,
1: literally starting, the puts match him off. to the ground,
0: and then we see Eddie beat the snot out of him, and, and Punk absorb all this punishment in order to eventually get him down. And what the, the neat part there is, look at the story we told. What eventually gets Eddie?
1: I did his anger? You know what I mean? His
0: anger and his conditioning. Yes, because Punk absorbed all the punishment and got him. You know, and so it's it's a neat little it's the details. And it's, Punk is time. so great. Punk reminds me of a, of several pro wrestlers where he's not a he kind of runs like a duck, and he he, he kind of he's, he's not not the a, most coordinated fella, but he is, he is. through he is. work. Though. Yes, he wasn't. He wasn't Eddie Guerrero. Like, no. he wasn't born and it just happens that he can do backflips and he can do the... No. But he, through hard work, has achieved a level of storytelling in a ring that is not matched by many people. No. I mean, you know, Daniel Bryan, he's on the short list of guys that can tell stories. You and that shortlist is like him, Daniel Bryan, Sean, Eddie, and probably the least naturally coordinated out of those people. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know... After the Kingston match, we get the MJF, you know, we get those MJF promos, right? I think I have my timeline right on that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I'm trying to run off the top of my head. The MJF promo, where MJF decides, okay, I've had enough. It's time to pick a fight with this guy. And he goes out there and he lays into punk. And the main core of it is, you ain't what you used to be. And that, you know, your whole thing. Was you were the you were raging against the machine, and now you're Tony's wingman, and that's the core of it. What did you think about that promo? You'll talk about that promo just a little bit.
1: Uh, I liked it a lot. I, I thought, especially what Punk said was was cutting. The less famous Miz line popped me hard. I, I thought that was great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just like I'm not not belittling the Miz at all, but it is it's just
0: a. Well it's in a comment. in a lot of ways, when you realize probably how punk feels about a <laughs> Miz, it was in a but in a lot of ways it was a, a huge compliment to the Miz. Because he's acknowledging that the Miz got everything he ever wanted. That's yeah, true. And you're not that to what is the biggest heel in the company. But also to your point, again, punk isn't The change in the promos, right? Normally, for Punk, throughout his career, he'd have been the one picking a fight. Yes, absolutely. And MJF spends six, seven minutes running him down, soliloquy, no retorts. And when he says, I want to say it was just after that line, he says, because MJF has the look at your watch, it's not clobbering time time. you're out of time you're out of time right and he says oh i got time right once he says that he's like okay you ask for it and then that line then there's the the, you can't see me you know you might as well do you might as well come out here preaching
1: hustle hustle loyalty and respect
0: correct but i can see you which that turned into the cena line and then later the line from mjf where he says you were second fiddle to both Cena and Hunter leads back to the line of Yudufa's Yudufus son-in-law son-in-law he says, you know, you can't be number one around here till then he also goes in on the four pillars, which not only tells you the respect he has for all members, including Britt, who he says has replaced MJF as a pillar, but it also tells you that he's paying attention to he's not just there taking a paycheck. He's actively involved. He knows what the storylines are, he understands that we have Put this company and built it around people that are younger than me. There are four pillars. I'm not one of them, but I'm going to put you down. <laughs> you know, eventually you you decided you were the young gunslinger. You decided to come over and mess with the old guy, and I'm going to put you down in, in the quick draw right here. They wind up playing this out. we get the pop moment of a Sting Darby Allen CM Punk match with the Pinnacle, in which. Crazy how great was it that match was awesome dude the the, the,
1: the surfer sting face paint punk hat on that was the chicago dude and then of course sting
0: with the punk face paint it was so cool what a return how awesome yeah and then you have mjf cleverly trying to avoid contact as he runs away from punk the the bulk of this time period and then we we know we have this match go out i thought that was a neat way to play into it it led into a series of mjf Teasing the crowd of this match that you've all been waiting for. Wardlow first. And if you remember the Wardlow match, he got no offense in. None. He took a beating. He got a roll-up. And it really... It sold Wardlow as like a killer. Absolutely. It sold Wardlow because, remember, he did the same thing with Hobbs, but he wasn't desperate at the end. This one... He there was nothing he could do with Wardlow at all. No, no,
1: and I think I think this whole MJF Punk feud has served also as a vehicle for Wardlow to continue getting over people. People, I really like the
0: Wardlow storyline they got going. It's the but it's the undercurrent yes. of what is really a right. It's it's what pro wrestling should be. Yes, okay. It's you have this huge feud between MJF and Punk, and the undercurrent of Wardlow. And MJF is really more important to the company. But it's running completely underneath. And Punk is kind of helping to tell that story through this and then through the match coming up. Spears is supposed to put him down because Wardlow couldn't put him down. Mm-hmm.
1: And then Spears gets killed. <laughs> and
0: he does squash Spears. Which, again, fits in perfectly because it does two things. It emphasizes that MJF has bet on the wrong horse by continuing to think Spears is more important to him than Wardlow inside their little thing. Which Punk did. But it also... Punk immediately drops him, whoops him in a a squash, and then turns and says, I want you, which gets you back from, well, if Wardlow beat him down, he's not all that, back up to the I can't wait for this match moment. Yes, yes. Right? And so then we get the I can't wait for this match moment when finally MJF admits he'll do it. Now, in the middle of that, we had a QT Marshall and a Lee Moriarty match. I thought Moriarty got to showcase a little bit. Then we get this MJF match. It was Wednesday night. What did you think of that match? I liked it.
1: I thought the match itself was really good. Okay. Uh the ending I'm a little unsatisfied but I suppose that's the point, right?
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing to me about this about this match. First of all, the storytelling. As MJF immediately flees again, of course, when things go wrong and you have to chase him up to so you get the quick call back for something that happened a little bit earlier. Also, you start out, I think they started 35 or 30 minutes before the end of the show.
1: Yeah, I was when I saw the It was like 45 minutes, I swear.
0: When they start walking to the ring, I think it was 45.
1: Yeah, I was was like,
0: damn, they're really going for it. Right, but then again, too, like we said, Punk's been wrestling at a pretty decent pace. So that's a lot of time for him. That's a lot of time. So then they go up and down, and that takes some time up, although he's not standing still. It's still not selling for somebody else. Then he gets into the ring, and we have this really good match where NJF is taking the beating, which is the heel roll, normally. MJF eventually swings the tide a little bit by cheating here, cheating there. He, I think he does the hind kick into the groin section to yeah. set up, which he has a string to tie around Punk's neck and choke him out. And here we have in Chicago, Punk going to sleep in the middle of the ring as he's in a chokehold with a rope that the referee can't see. Oh, my God, not this way. The crowd is, oh, my God, the the, the whole oxygen's been taken Inflated. out of the building, right? And then the referee sees it, and we restart the match, and so we assume Punk has to win. Punk's got to win. He almost gets him in the roll-up. We have a whole nother match in which Punk is on the aggressive a lot of the time. Wardlow comes out when MJF is at his weakest. He gets between Punk and MJF lying on the floor. MJF reaches up. MJF has a has the diamond ring in his hand. Dude, I liked I liked the sword
1: with that because initially Wardlow's protecting MJF. Then you see him step to the side, and you're like, "Oh man, is this really? Is that right. was that it? Was that his his break moment?" And then you see the replay, and no, not yet.
0: No, and that is when we had the back a little bit of a back and forth. Punk gets smoked. We get smoked with the with the diamond ring. One, two, three, and we suck the air out of the building again. (laughs) Out of Chicago again. But I think the key here is what does the impact of this finish have on both all the storylines and the locker room? What message do we just send that Punk ain't here for titles? Punk's not here to get over Punk's brand. Punk is here to help build this company just like he said he was. And he just did it by losing in his hometown to the biggest heel on the show. And now, whenever Hangman finishes next week with Archer, it's time for the MJF run at the title. I'm excited for it. Then we go to how does it affect MJF? Because your locker room, he's already had great matches with Darby, Hobbs, Garcia, Seidel, Fish, Kingston, Lee Moriarty. I'll conveniently leave out QT. And MJF and Wardlow. So he's taken multiple guys and brought them into a higher level of, of what you think matters in this company. I think AEW has done a good job of that. Yeah, but you know uh, how they've done it? Cody. Cody's title. We <laughs> talked about that a little bit, but also Daniel Bryan. Absolutely. Strong and CM team. Punk coming from outside, coming in and going through all your company, but not having squash matches. Yeah, Exactly. They have to dig down into the well. They're showing us these great matches with all of this young talent. They came in talking about the young talent. And what did Punk say? I don't ever lie to the people, and he hasn't lied. He hasn't lied in character or out of character at this point. And then you have how does it affect MJF in the overall storyline of the world title, which is Hangman Page eventually having to wrestle MJF. Two of your pillars. Cody brings in MJF because he knows he has to have that guy that's a jerk. MJF swerves Cody to set up the fact that he's the biggest heel. And then the, the next biggest thing he does, and all of his things have been high profile. next biggest thing he does is this thing with Punk. Hangman was brought in by the Bucks to do the same thing on the other side. And here we have this perfect program that we've been building for three years. And Punk has underlined it all, and then you still have the undercurrent that Punk has sold along with it of Wardlow. You know, and Wardlow, the way I probably go with it is Hangman wins based on Wardlow not having his back, which continues hopefully an epic reign from Hangman until MJF rebuilds. But then you go straight into Wardlow MJF, which gives MJF another. Big-time, high-profile thing, and it annoys, you know, when Wardlow, if he goes over...
1: Man, he's made. You know what I mean? Then he has
0: Hangman. Right? And so you really have this great scenario of where we could be going in this company. And Punk has kind of been the base, the floor of all of that, which is what he swore to us he was going to do. And that's great. Yeah, it's yeah, It's, great. it's, it's incredibly I mean? neat, right? And it's absolutely. And when when Daniel Bryan said when he came in, I think if people could see really great pro wrestling, they'll like it. This is what he's talking about.
1: Strong agree.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So is that a wrap.
1: That's a wrap. I love punk. I'm a I'm a
0: punk head. We're punkies. Punkies. <laughs> <laughs> For my man, Jared, this is me, KP. This has been a Go Home E production. Check out our friends at The Daily Smart, your one-stop shop. All things pro wrestling. Check out our friends at the Ginn Project, the G-I-N-N project.com. Go home.